conversations about sex work in the media are rarely honest about all the complexities. They typically only talk about the dangers or only talk about the glamour. But actually, it's way more complicated. My name is Sarah Daniel, and I'm the founder and director of Unconditional, a nonprofit for women who work in the sex industry. We exist to be the bridge between the church and sex workers. We bring gifts to local strip clubs and begin life-transforming friendships. We say life-transforming because when a church lady and a stripper become best friends, both of their lives and stereotypes of each other are forced to transform. We also help connect women to unique resources and provide wraparound support. If you're in sex work and need assistance, it can be really difficult to find a service provider that won't judge you and can understand the unique challenges you may face. Over the past six years of running Unconditional, I've realized just how little the general population understands about the sex industry. I know because I was completely clueless at the beginning. We're starting this podcast to give an opportunity and platform for our friends to share about issues that are important to them in their work. Our hope is that when you're finished listening, you can understand that sex workers are just people, just like you and me. We know that this topic can cause some strong reactions and opinions and you probably won't agree with what every guest has to say. And if you're a sex worker, your experience in this occupation may be very different from what you hear. I encourage you to keep listening. We will have a variety of viewpoints, perspectives, and experiences represented throughout the show. We wanna represent the diversity of this industry as every person has their own story. And as we know, it can be really complicated. In order to protect our guests from any repercussions of participating in this podcast, all names have been changed. Identifying information of clubs or other people mentioned in this podcast have been censored out. Due to the subject matter, viewer discretion is advised. All right, well, I realized I start every episode with all right, well. <laughs> like, if you want to know all the annoying things you say, just record yourself and you're like, all right, well, welcome to this episode of It's Complicated. <laughs> every single episode. That's how it starts. Uh, so anyway, welcome to this episode of It's Complicated, where I just realized I start every episode with saying, all right, well, so trying to start a different way. <laughs> anyway... Here today with my friend Nina, um, and we are exploring more into the topic of what we had a couple weeks ago of um, why leaving the industry is hard and what that looks like and how just um, what that process looks like whenever someone wants to leave. And so she's going to share a little bit with us about what that experience has been like for her and just kind of delving into all the complicated aspects of the industry that that entails. So if you want to share anything about yourself, any fun facts, uh, anything you want people to know about you. Mm. I'm Nina and I, should I say when I started? Yeah, however you want to do it. So I started actually because I was struggling in school for nursing and I had a friend saw me struggling and I was going through a divorce and that's how I started in the industry was trying to get on my own feet and out of my mom's house and just on my own. It actually started because I needed a car. Hmm. And um, so that's where it started. And how old were you when you started? I was 20 when I started because my son had was right when my son turned one. I started, I got my own house, I got a car, I built up, you know, my life with my Mm -hmm. son. And then I realized maybe I didn't like nursing school as much as I thought. So I stopped and I just did it as a full time job until I got in a relationship and that was my first stopping point Mm. I feel like throughout my now I'm 27 so Mm -hmm. I was off and on in the industry for seven years and a few of my stopping points were because I got in a relationship Mm. so I think for a lot of ladies that's probably a stopping point um getting into new relationships and guys they're like oh I don't want you to work there Mm. you got to get out if you want me to be with you and then being a girl like oh I want to be with you I'm gonna get out for you and then everything stops and then once you break up then it's like okay I'm gonna go back because I need that financial stability that Mm -hmm. I now I'm lacking yeah how do you feel kind of off trailing a little bit here but how do you feel about that about 
men asking women to quit their job at the club, like positive, negative, what's that been like for you? Um, I can understand both sides Mm -hmm. from a man and a woman's point of view for stopping. Um, There was a few times when I wasn't in a relationship where I just needed a break and I would take, you know, a month or a couple weeks off just to mentally recoup and Mm -hmm. get back to myself. Um, But I have met a few men and women that are in relationships with guys that don't care that they work there, you know, Mm because they still just love that woman. And I don't feel like a man has the right to say, oh, you should stop working Mm -hmm. there. I think it's ultimately the woman's decision mm-hmm. to feel herself to stop working there. Right. Did you did you feel like pressured or like how'd that make you feel when the the relationships you were in like pressured you to quit? It kind of made me feel now that I look back, it made me feel less of who I was. Mm-hmm. Like I was bad a bad person because I was working in the industry mm-hmm. and I did wrong things when I was really just surviving. Mm-hmm. So it kind of made you feel like they didn't understand your situation? Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry for interjecting. I just, I, that's a topic that comes up a lot, and, like, I know a lot of dancers feel strongly about, like, if a man's telling you to quit, like, that's not his business, and so mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of different opinions on that. And yeah. Especially people outside the industry don't always understand why that would be a complicated thing to deal with. So, right, yeah. yeah. I think relationships in general are really complicated for dancers. Oh, yeah, very complicated. But... Yeah, so you were um, off and on because you were in and out of relationships where they weren't okay with it, and mm-hmm. then and then what happened? So in between those times, I would get a regular job, like most food industry, okay, um, which was okay. It wasn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. But then, like I said, when I got out of those relationships, I lacked that stability that right. I needed, so I always ended up back in there. Um, I think I finally met a guy who doesn't care if I was or wasn't in there. Mm. So that's nice mm-hmm. because it, when you meet a man that says you can work there, you can, don't have to, it doesn't really matter, then you feel like, okay, you love me for who I really am. Mm. You don't just lust me, mm-hmm. kind of, more yeah. so. that makes a lot of sense. So then what, um, so now you're out of the industry now. Yes. Um, how many months has it been? I stopped, it's been four months since okay. I've been out this time. Okay. And um, has this time felt different or what kind of led you to then quitting for for yourself and not for the pressure of somebody else? So I got fired, <laughs> technically. Okay. Which most of us end up going back even though we're fired. Right, yeah, that doesn't explain anything. But I think this time I was really, like, done with it. All mm-hmm. of the pressure and all of the hardships in within the industry, I'm just older and tired of it and I'm mm-hmm. ready to move on. And I met a lady, and she told me to go to school where I'm going. Mm-hmm. And that I did, and it's worked out for me. So mm-hmm. I just feel empowered to stop now. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm doing something that I actually want to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying it, even though I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice, because I don't want to go back anymore. Yeah. yeah. So what has it been like um, just in the four months that you've been out? Because in our last interview, it was with somebody who'd been out for like five years. So it's a bit of a different place than you're mm-hmm. at. So we talked a little bit in that episode about kind of like the post-club detox. Do you feel like that's something you've had to go through or um, how's it impacted just kind of like your day-to-day life? Um, it's been a great thing because I was a heavy drinker mm-hmm. and I was making bad decisions when I would drink and I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. So getting out, I feel relieved Although I'm very overwhelmed and financially struggling, mm-hmm. um, I'm humble enough to make it. Um, there's been so many times where I've just wanted to go back just to pay my rent or just mm-hmm. to pay my bills or, you know. But then I think about if I go back, I'm going to be wrapped up in it again mm-hmm. and I'm not going to finish school again and I'm going to go, I'm just going to be back in the same situation I was. Mm-hmm. I think every time I stopped and went back, my mm-hmm. drinking got worse. Mm-hmm. I would drink more and more every time I went back. Mm -hmm. And then going back was always the hardest thing. Like it took me two weeks just to get myself prepared to step in there that first night. And that first night it always felt like the first time going back. Nervous, anxious, Mm -hmm. scared. Yeah. Yeah. So now it's kind of like the relief of not having to go through that process again. Yeah. And I feel like I'm on a track where... 
hopefully I get a career mm-hmm. out of what I'm doing and I don't need to go back. Yeah. Well, I think it's really cool that um, and you're lucky to, to know what it is that you want to do next. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I know what the career is that you're going into and I won't mention it because I don't want to identify you or anything, but <laughs> yeah. I know like you're awesome at it and yeah. uh, it's cool to see you so like passionate about it and uh and and interested in it and everything um has it so just on like less intense of a level of not necessarily like emotionally or whatever but um how how has it impacted you even just switching like the shifts that you work because I know you go to school like pretty early in the morning yes. now like what has oh that process God. been like it's so hard to it's it's kind of hard to get up it's nice because I don't have that nocturnal shift Mm-hmm. I'm actually up in the morning and doing stuff in the daytime, and then I go home in the evening. Like I feel like I have a normal life now, mm-hmm. you know. Um, with before, I would just do whatever I wanted all day, and then work at night. It was I did enjoy the nighttime working, and then being able to be with my kids. Mm-hmm. That was one of the perks of working there was that. But yeah. at the same time, my kids would ask me, well, what are you doing, mom? What do you do for work? And it's kind of hard to explain to your five-year-old. Oh, well, I work in the sex industry. You know, mm-hmm. you can't just say that because they're right. not going to go to school. Oh, my mom works in the sex industry. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What is a five-year-old going to say to their kindergarten teacher? <laughs> right. Yeah, you never know what they're going to say. Right. So that was one of the perks. But I think I feel better i'm still feel like i'm not in the motion of getting up early it's Mm -hmm. still hard to wake up and get up and get going yeah and then i come home exhausted at five o'clock i want to lay on the couch and take a nap Mm -hmm. and (laughs) so welcome to the rest of america right yeah (laughs) we're all exhausted at 5 p.m and my mom she's like yeah that's what it's gonna be like from here on out you're just gonna be tired when you get home like all of us i'm like oh yeah thanks mom Well, that brings up an interesting point. Does your mom know that you danced? Yes. At first, my parents were very um, against it. They didn't like it at all. But And at first, you know, they didn't know how I was going to turn out. As the years went on, mm-hmm. you know, I, I did do for myself while I was there. I kept mm-hmm. a car. I kept a house. You know, I did take care of me and my kid. Mm-hmm. So I think more toward the end of that career... They were proud of me because I didn't get wrapped into it like a lot of people do and Mm -hmm. struggle. Mm -hmm. So that was one thing. But they were also so happy for me that I found something that I actually want to do. Yeah. And I'm doing it. Yeah. And I'm not going back. So they're proud of me for Mm -hmm. doing that. And my mom, she came to the rescue to help me Mm -hmm. get through that. Mm -hmm. So that's I, I feel I have so much support right now. Yeah. Trying to leave and better myself. And unconditional was one of the first opportunities I had to be grateful to get out of that. You guys have helped me with everything. I'm glad we got connected. <laughs> I know I'm gonna suck. <laughs> I know you're tearing up, so I'm tearing up. Uh, a little more background on I me. Mean, Nina is um, I actually had never met her at the club. Um, she knew one of our other team members. So the way uh, we work. Um, I know not everybody knows the logistics of how we operate, but we have groups of two to three women that go into six different strip clubs in Indy. Um, And so Nina was working at one that I didn't personally go into. Um, One of our team members did, and she knew her, but they didn't exchange contact information or anything, so she didn't know her like once she had quit. But then one of my friends, um, actually one of the other people that's been on the podcast before, uh, introduced us um, and referred her to Unconditional. And we've actually had quite a few women that we've been able to provide assistance for um and so for women who quit the industry it's really hard to figure out what's next you know so like what do you like can can you just can you go into a little bit about um why why you needed that support when you left like why isn't it just like well just quit and then you should be financially fine or you should be able to just get another job right away or Mm -hmm. so for me when I quit I actually had a little bit of savings that I used Mm -hmm. which a lot of girls don't you know things that I had on my side was that I was smart with my money but you know it's very easy to get wrapped up in the lifestyle Mm -hmm. and you don't have money so then when you quit 
you know, you go from working, like one of my biggest things was childcare. Mm -hmm. People are always willing to let my son sleep at their house for Mm -hmm. a couple of hours. So when I did quit, one of the hardest things for me was finding someone to help me with my childcare Mm -hmm. after I ran out of money to pay for daycare. Mm -hmm. Um, Or just trusting people to take care of your kids. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of women, they don't have cars. Mm -hmm. And so cars is a big, you know, transportation is a big drawback. Mm -hmm. Because like, okay, well, I'm not making set amount of money a week anymore. Mm-hmm. I can't go just go get a new car. I can't mm-hmm. just pay for people and Ubers all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then financially, just not being able to make it on your own because you go from this bigger finance stability mm-hmm. to this poverty income, and mm-hmm. you it's overwhelming mm-hmm. because most of them are single mothers that fully take care of their children, mm-hmm. like myself. Yeah. I don't really get support from either of my children's fathers, so mm-hmm. they don't help me watch them. Or I'm a lot of times I relied on neighbors mm-hmm. um, to help me with my kids just to get by. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of my main concerns, was being able to provide a good environment for my kids while I figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah, And then... Like, I was lucky enough to meet somebody who brought me into the career I'm going into, Mm -hmm. but women who don't have that opportunity or don't know what they want to do with their life is the hardest thing because you go from working in an environment that's basically a party Mm -hmm. to working a 9-to-5 or a 9-to-6 in a warehouse, and that's Mm -hmm. hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to go. I couldn't imagine had I had to get a 9-to-5 job directly coming out of the club i i know i would have went back right it's so stressful and it's so overwhelming and it's such a big lifestyle change to work a nine to five Mm -hmm. versus working 11 to 3 and making all of the money for your bills in one night right yeah you know you have to work a whole week just to be able to pay one bill yeah and if you don't have transportation Mm because like like uh, i know a lot of women who don't have transportation and uh i actually don't have transportation right now (laughs) my car recently um but no i think that's a really good point too because um like if you are you can you can justify paying for an uber to get to the club Mm -hmm. because you know you'll make enough to pay for it but you can't really justify paying an uber to go make 7.25 an hour right like that money's just gonna pay for the uber because the uber it. when i ubered it was 20 30 bucks there and back mm-hmm. so if you're working a regular job 30 bucks for an uber mm-hmm. you know 25 dollars plus for daycare mm-hmm. i mean that's almost half of your days of work yeah and then you have you're left with food and mm-hmm. bills that you're just it's hard to make it yeah and, like, one of the other things I do think you are blessed to have is, is that support system of your family because a lot yeah. of people don't have that. Mm-hmm. Um, but your your mom doesn't live in Indiana right now. No. So, you know, that's that was a huge hindrance too. Yeah. So, yeah, I think especially the child care thing is um, a point that a lot of people don't think about um, mm-hmm. because it's easier just to have someone just, like, let your kid crash at their house for the night than it is to like entertain them all day (laughs) and people don't want to i mean they'll help you for like a couple days here and there but even i struggled in school because i fell almost 25 percent behind in school Mm -hmm. on my attendance because i didn't have a babysitter and i Mm -hmm. ran out of my savings to pay somebody so Mm -hmm. i couldn't you know my mom came and saved the day Mm -hmm. because i couldn't afford it anymore wow yeah that's i mean that's awesome that you had your mom to be a safe person for you to be able to provide that for you mm-hmm. um so for coming out of the industry do you feel like so you knew you needed support and help and thankfully we got connected um but do you think in general it's difficult when you have the stigma of sex work to ask for help from people or um try to connect with other, like would you get nervous like applying for resources at other places or yeah, I think it's more of a pride thing because mm-hmm. I was so independent and just used to taking care of everything. For me to ask somebody for help, it's like, oh, you, they look at me funny. They, mm-hmm. like a lot of people I felt like looked at me like, oh, well, you should have money to be mm-hmm. able to pay me. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, I really don't because I dropped my income level so far that mm-hmm. I don't have the money that I used to have to pay you. Yeah. 
How much do you think the average dancer in Indiana, in Indianapolis makes? Uh, I would, <clears throat> if you work, if you work a few days a week, easily $800 a week. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Only work in a few days. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. And that's a pretty big income drop. Yeah, because a lot of people don't even make $800 for one week of work. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Dang, I had another train of thought. Now my mind's going elsewhere. But, um, okay, so with then, so we talked a little bit about, like, the income drop and then the pride. Oh, I remember what I was going to say. Well, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, maybe you have some insight into this as well, is, like, for a lot of times when people are working with people uh, in, in poverty or mm-hmm. who have a lot of obstacles in their life and they're trying to provide assistance, which is most like social services, mm-hmm. then a lot of times those people that are in poverty um, sometimes have like learning disabilities or lack of education or, you know, like these obstacles where they just n- might need like training to get like a decent job that they could, they could do. Mm-hmm. But what I've found is for... M- not all the vast majority of women I've met in the sex industry are brilliant mm-hmm. are like they were straight A students like they're really really smart and mm-hmm. intellectual and so I think that kind of creates an in itself actually another obstacle because if you if you don't but if all you have is your high school diploma and you don't have any other education or you don't have your high school diploma for whatever reason even if you're really smart um then to get like a entry level job mm-hmm. is mind numbing and people yes. can't like stick at it because they're bored yeah. and, and like you're just not mentally stimulated at all mm-hmm. and so it's like wh- why would you stay at this job that is so boring to you and you're making like nothing I don't know. have you do you feel like you've experienced that or for like with women that you've met and Oh, yeah, because a lot of women don't have, like, once you're in the industry for even just a year, you're just comfortable. Mm -hmm. And to find something that you enjoy is very hard because everybody wants to be their own boss or nobody Mm -hmm. wants to really work that schedule that they have to be there. And one of the biggest things is having to work a schedule Mm -hmm. because most ladies in the sex industry work their own shift. Mm -hmm. They come and go whenever they want. Because they can. Right. They don't have to report. They don't mm-hmm. have to call, oh, I'm going to be late. Oh, I'm not going to be here today. They don't have to do that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, like when I quit, <clears throat> multiple times, it took me at least two months to get a job because people would look at my background. Oh, why do you have this gap? Mm-hmm. And I didn't ever necessarily put I um, was a sex worker, mm-hmm. but I would put entertainment mm-hmm. and I would even put the club's name Mm -hmm. and then I had one boss I know I tried to I tried to get a job at like a upscale bar Mm -hmm. in a hotel and he picked and prodded and pushed me to tell him I was a stripper Mm -hmm. and I couldn't do it Mm -hmm. like I couldn't do it like he made me feel less of myself because I knew he didn't want to hire me because of that but he just wanted to hear you say yeah he wanted to hear me say it and a lot of women just don't want to go through that Right. Like, you don't want to have to go because people are so stereotypical, like, oh, you're this, you're that, you're mm-hmm. bad. When a lot of us aren't, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of us are just mothers or young people that have been wrapped up into it. And then when we want to get out, it's so hard. Like, literally, when I got a job, I knew people. That's how I got a job. Mm-hmm. I never got a job because I didn't know somebody working there. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the biggest obstacles is getting a job that will accept you. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a job at a hotel. I ended up getting a job at a hotel, and they knew. And after I stopped working there, they were still my friends. They accepted me for who I was, and they came to see me mm-hmm. at work mm-hmm. because they just accepted me. And after that, when I stopped working again, they gave me another job. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to find somebody who will accept that kind of background. Mm-hmm. Well, what are, so you said that like, it, you feel like it makes people just think of the stereotypes. What are stereotypes that you feel like people have sex workers and how are they like incorrect or, um, especially if you've ever had any of those times like directed at you? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them, which I can say is true is reliability. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that goes with just working and being at work on time and for your shift and just staying at a job, mm-hmm. you know, because like I said, you don't make as much money as you used to. So workers or the bosses are like, well, are you really going to stay here or are you just going to get trained and then get tired of us and leave? Mm. So that's one of the things that makes it more difficult. Mm. What about and just like, have you have you dealt with stereotypes from um, like social interactions people you're trying to be friends with or even people you've dated or oh yeah most of the time nobody even knew that I worked there Mm. and then once I became friends with people and it come out I did lose a lot of friends um you know I people think that strippers are nasty and we have STDs and diseases and we're Mm. just having sex and partying crazy and that's not really the case Mm -hmm. you know most of the time we're just the psychologist for somebody that needs to spill their life (laughs) your day was hard at work tell me more honey Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah (laughs) which is a lot cheaper than going to see a psychologist if (laughs) it can be yeah i was gonna say it can be but yeah and there's a lot of guys they'll come in there I think what's the funniest thing is the men will really down the dancers, talk down on them, and then they'll be the ones in the club. Like the men that are in the club are the ones that bash dancers the most? Like two dancers while they're at the club? Um, More so outside. Okay. Like they're not, like they're just like talking a talk to make Mm -hmm. them seem like it's gross and they don't Mm -hmm. like it when they're the ones really in there. Oh, that's a nice hypocrisy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so very were, much. Was it people you already knew, like from the club, or just like you later found out they were going to clubs and they were bashing Both. people? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have some friends that um, they've always knew knew that I wouldn't work there. Mm-hmm. And um, when I stopped, I had went out with them for one of them one of their birthdays, mm-hmm. and by the end of their birthday, they're like, "Oh, let's go to a strip club." So we go to the strip club, and it's a good time, you know. They were, it was a couple, and the lady at the end, and she's been my friend for years, she's like, ew, I feel gross, this is nasty, and I'm like, well, why are you saying that? Like, mm-hmm. do you know that I'm sitting right here? So mm-hmm. are you telling me that I'm gross, you feel like I'm nasty? Like, what are you really trying to say? Mm-hmm. And why would you want to come here if that's how you felt right. in the first place? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of dancers feel less of a person because people just feel like, ugh. Don't touch me. Like, I almost felt like I had a disease or something sometimes that where I shouldn't be around people because they just look so down on dancers. Yeah. Wow. Are you guys still friends? Uh, yeah, <laughs> kind of. I mean, I told her how I felt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, What'd she say? She was drunk a little bit, so I kind of mm-hmm. gave that to her. Mm-hmm. But I told her I'm not ever going to a strip club with you again. <laughs> yeah. Did she go to the one you worked at? No, we went to a different one. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Was it like, was that, is it hard for you to like go out with people to clubs, like knowing that you dance there or? No, no. I think I'm more comfortable with it. Um, I'm more comfortable showing people like in the club. Because everybody, like, when we did go, everybody's like, well, what do we need to do? I was like, well, you don't need to go when you're broke. That's what you don't need to do. <laughs> if you don't have at least, if everybody in the party does not have at least $20 bills to spend, I'm probably not wanting to go with you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, I don't I would never go to a strip club and just hang out and drink. I wouldn't do it. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. That's that's disrespectful to the people that are working there. Yeah, because that's their that's how they make a living. Even if you right. only have twenty dollars, like, you know. Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> First of all, don't go if you're. At your school, do people know that you came out of the industry or? Um, at first, no. Mm-hmm. And there have been a few girls that I ended up telling, mm-hmm. and then. Um, you know, I think my school is one of the most accepting places. Mm-hmm. Girls don't really judge me. They're, I think they're more interested to understand more mm-hmm. and happy for me that I got out mm-hmm. of it and I'm doing something. Like, the girls in my school, they're like, wow, you're good at what you do. Mm-hmm. So they, uh, you know, my school has definitely empowered me to be, to stick there mm-hmm. and stick with it because... I feel like I'm a good job if or I do a good job if everybody's like, Oh, you're good. You're really good. 
I'm gonna sing your praises all day. Yeah. <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I'm glad that your school is a supportive environment because mm-hmm. not. Yeah, that's not always the case when people find out. Right. Um. Okay. So you've been out for months. Do you have like? Have you already like worked on like long term goals or like is it just kind of like surviving now or what do you feel is like next for you? So right now I feel like I'm just surviving mm. to kind of finish this schooling. I don't want because I didn't finish my previous schooling, so mm-hmm. I really want to finish. Mm-hmm. So I've been trying to be as humble as I can to just you know make it. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduate here really soon, so I just. It, one of my main goals right now is to graduate. That's my number one goal right now is to finish, you know, be on top of it. Mm-hmm. And then once I get out of it, I have thought about my long-term goals and different things that I want to do. I have been looking at apprenticeships and um, talking to different places and where I can go and meeting mm-hmm. people. Um, but I also have a lot going on in my house just with the transition mm-hmm. um, that I can't really, I get overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Um, cause it's still super overwhelming. Like, well, what am I going to do about this? Mm-hmm. And then I start thinking about my long-term mm-hmm. goals and then I need to, I feel like I need to stop and think about right now Yeah. yeah. because I can't make it to that next step without a career. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of ladies fall short is they don't have that. What am I going to do next? Mm-hmm. Cause not many people, I mean, not many dancers are going to be okay with going to a warehouse it's mm-hmm. just not gonna happen yeah i know people are always like well they can apply at this warehouse job i'm like none of my friends are gonna do that yeah and, <laughs> and lot- i know people that have that then they go and they get sexually harassed mm-hmm. a lot like yeah at very high rates in warehouses mm-hmm. for especially like small beautiful women like yeah. it's gonna that happens a lot and so it's like yeah i i get job suggestions from people all the time for like when i'm like i have friends looking for work like, right just go work at the warehouse. I'm like, mm, nobody's going to do that. And most <laughs> job opportunities that you see first are for the warehouses or the food service industry, which could turn into turn into a long-term career. Right. But that's the long-term thought that many dancers don't mm-hmm. think about right now. Right. You know. Yeah, I mean, nobody wants to just survive. Mm-hmm. People want... People want to have, like, people want to see their dreams happen. People mm-hmm. want to know what their dreams are. Right. Um, and I think that's a big obstacle for a lot of people, is a lot of people have been having to survive for so long that there's not really been an opportunity to figure out, like, what do I want to do next or what mm-hmm. is my next dream? Yeah. Um, especially, you said you were 20 when you started, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it sounds like it took you a little while to figure out, like, what you really wanted to do and Seven what direction. years. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, I mean, that's a lot of people in their 20s, too, yeah. you know, but like, but if you're in your 20s and you have kids depending on you and you're a single parent and mm-hmm. it's not like you can just like, I mean, my early 20s, like I could just do dumb jobs that didn't pay much while I figured out right. what was going to be next. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But like if you have kids or you don't have a safety net or a backup plan, then that's not really possible. Yeah. So. Especially when you don't have the support. Like... I think probably 75% of the ladies in the sex industry are in school and probably 25% of that 75% stop school because it's either not what they wanted or Mm -hmm. they get wrapped up into the Mm -hmm. industry Mm -hmm. and then it makes it harder for you to get out Mm -hmm. because you don't want to do what you planned on doing out of school. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, what do I do? Yeah. Do I go work in the food service? And then that's not going to be financially stable mm-hmm. unless I have a second income in my house, mm-hmm. which most of them don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it even more hard. Mm-hmm. Not having a plan and not knowing a goal or direction you want mm-hmm. is the worst thing because you're just going to end up back in there. Mm-hmm. What was What was some of your fear about going back? Or what, I guess made you what makes you not want to go back so i was drinking and driving a lot Mm. and i had an owi probably five years ago and it is still taking a damper on my life i can't volunteer at my son's school because i have a owed because of a few charges that i had wrapped up with that owi so going back one of my biggest fears is 
you know, and I had a short period of time of addiction where I was just doing stupid stuff. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to live that lifestyle because the people that I dealt with while I was doing those things weren't supportive of me to better myself. They were supportive of me to live in the moment and do all that party fun stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, oh, well, what do you really, what do you want to do with your life? I didn't have yeah. those intellectual conversations that I longed for. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm out and I'm meeting new people, I'm finding people that want to conversate with me like that and want to mm-hmm. talk about different things. And But I do still have a lot of girlfriends that I, you know, I, I'm helping ladies in my little stage of struggle mm-hmm. you know and I'm lucky to help those ladies and I think a lot of ladies look up to me because I'm staying strong about it mm-hmm. and I'm actually following through but I could you know fall back into it mm-hmm. you know it's only been four months right which I don't plan to but yeah well no but I think that humility piece is, is important or it's not just like it's not like you're getting like you got out and you're all high and mighty like right i'm better than everyone that dances mm-hmm. and i've been out four months look at me i'm right. better than you like i don't see i don't hear that from you what i hear is that this wasn't a good environment for you to thrive and reach your goals that mm-hmm. you wanted to have and that you've made the decision that you are getting out and staying out you mm-hmm. know but also being humble enough to know that anyone can fall back mm-hmm. into it it's really it's really easy to to go back. And so I think you're doing the right thing of thinking like, okay, I can't think about like my super far out long-term goals. Cause I know, I mean, even I like think about things too far in advance and I like freak out and shut down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Maybe I just worry about, you know, like uh-huh. even with like with running a nonprofit, like if I think about like, well, how are we going to get all this money to run this program? Then I just like shut down and freak out. But if yeah. I'm just like, okay, what's one thing I can do today towards uh-huh. this goal? Then it's like, okay, that's more obtainable. You're right. You know, hustling's hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really. Or sex work. Hustling, man. <laughs> yeah. It's the worst. And I had a few business plans that I had wrote while I first started mm. and I didn't I didn't finish one of them, which would probably be a long-term goal is for me to get back to that. Mm. Um, but I did start a business one time I left doing home improvement. Mm-hmm. And it was great at first, and then it failed, and I ended up back in the club because mm-hmm. I couldn't support myself. Mm-hmm. So I think um, relationship failure and career failure will inevitably lead you back into the club. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really why it's important to have a support system, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like, I mean, failure is, is human nature. I was actually just talking to um, our social enterprise partner, leader, Kristen. We were just talking about how our like original timeline of wanting to launch Equip360 was like September 2018. <laughs> we were <laughs> like, yeah, that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, just, but we were talking about how like, the, the failures that we've gone through over the past two years has been like what's going to make the program better but right. if you're failing and you don't have a community around you then it's going to be really hard to to get out of out of whatever pit you keep falling into mm-hmm. because um, it's hard to it's really hard to ask for help mm-hmm. when you're so strong you're like well why would I ask them for help when I can just why would I ask for that assistance when I can just go make it Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I struggle with mm-hmm. is, you know, my mom, she's a stay-at-home wife now. Mm-hmm. And I've talked to her about it here recently. Mm-hmm. I even, you know, went broke down and cried the other day. It's like, mom, I don't want, I don't feel comfortable asking for help mm-hmm. because I can go do it. But mm-hmm. then if I go do it, I'm going to be drinking and driving mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. doing things that I shouldn't really be doing. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point too because like, we're just talking about stereotypes of people as well. Misconceptions is um, a, a misconception I even get from other dancers is that women they're like, oh, like I've had dancers tell me like that are my friends. Like, oh, I bet you get used all the time or like I bet dance, other dancers always asking you for things. And mm-hmm. I rarely have someone ask me for help mm-hmm. because these are the most independent women I've ever met in my life. Like mm-hmm. I have to like it's usually once I'm friends with someone and they're struggling with something, I have to be like, hey, like, you know, this is literally why we exist (laughs) to like come alongside you and help you and know that you're not in this alone. Cause like, no, I mean, it's, I think people, especially people that are like middle and upper class and like 
and something I've experienced too is like you just automatically think like oh well like people are just gonna try and take advantage of you or Mm -hmm. whatever but like asking for help is so humbling mm-hmm. and it sucks yeah <laughs> like, it's it, not yeah. fun time it's mm-hmm. not like no one's like i mean i'm sure there's exceptions out there but uh, majority of people i've met in all types of social work i've worked in is it's like people aren't just out there being like oh i want i bet i can like get as much from this person without doing anything you know what i mean yeah. like people don't Anyway, I'm on my own little soapbox here. But. <laughs> no, that is true, though. That is very true. I think a lot of the ladies that I have worked with are the most giving mm-hmm. ladies. Um, and even, like, people tell me that all the time. Even if I can't give, the most I could do is help somebody. And exactly. And I'm currently helping a lady, you know, even though I can't barely help myself. You know, she was in a domestic situation. She up and left. and. Mm-hmm everything that I had going on at my house she came and stayed with me for four days Mm -hmm. until she could get out on her own so for me to help somebody it makes me feel great but for me to ask somebody I want to ball up and cry (laughs) (laughs) like a little baby (laughs) I'm like no why do I have to ask for help why can't I just do it you know and I think it's important for dancers to know you can do it Mm -hmm. but it is okay to ask for that help because everybody needs help Mm-hmm. everybody needs somebody you don't get a job without an interview mm-hmm. you don't get housing without a rental application you're you're asking can i rent this house you're asking can i have this job and you know you do have to do a couple processes in between which that's mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. but at the end of the day everybody needs help mm-hmm. so i'm impressed by your uh, humility that you've shown over the last couple of months of asking for help i know that wasn't easy for you at all no <laughs> no my face was probably beat red every time i came in here <laughs> Not um yeah which i was still laughing about the first time that you came by and i'd like just been talking to somebody else on the phone and i like opened the door and i was just like oh are you kelly or something yeah like, you're like no <laughs> it's like I knew I was meeting with you. I don't know why I said that other person's name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was so embarrassed. Uh-huh. I was like, oh my gosh. So I was talking to our mutual friend after. I was like, she probably thinks I'm so stupid. <laughs> why did I come to this girl for help? She doesn't even know my freaking name. No. Anyway, I just thought that experience was uh, was funny. But um, so with like also with just the, the stereotypes and the... Um, those parts of it is there any other stereotypes that you feel like you even just see in society in general that you just kind of want to debunk right now Mm, i feel like in bigger cities um for instance atlanta chicago new york those dancers are looked highly on Mm. because they are the big booty you know, throwing thousands of dollars every night. And I feel like those ones are more so, not necessarily looked up on, but famous for it. Glamorized. Yeah, and then they bash the little littler cities like Indianapolis where that's not necessarily the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it does make it really hard. Um, when I started seven years ago, I made way more money than I made just when I just quit. I made probably four times the money when I first started than I just stopped Mm -hmm. making. Um, And a lot of the times, people don't want to come to these clubs because it's not what they think. And they think, oh, we're just going to do this. You know, it's a smaller city. I came here. The men, I think, more so think, I came here for one thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to sit here and just have fun Mm -hmm. and I think that's a lot of the where the stereotyping comes from because people are like oh well they're just doing that Mm -hmm. and that's not the case Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of times where literally men just want to sit in the VIP room and cuddle and talk (laughs) or drink they they just want to get that alone time away Mm -hmm. from their bubble of life Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, well, you're doing this, you're doing that, because you've been back there so long, and mm. that's not always the case. It's like assuming that prostitution is happening. Yeah, mm. and I think mo- the most stereotypical thing is that prostitution is a stripper. Mm. And it is, I mean, it does 
go together and some women yes they do but there it's also not true mm-hmm. because there's a lot of women who don't do that and just have that natural ability to hustle mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah and then i think it's interesting with the with the prostitution stereotype though is that then like sometimes even strippers will then look down on people that are prostituting where it's like mm-hmm. you don't like it when people look down on you yeah. for stripping so why are you gonna look down on this girl and be like oh well she's mm-hmm. dirty because she's you know i know she's turning tricks yeah and a lot of i think a lot of dancers do that in between each other mm-hmm. they try to bash each other for prostitution and they don't even know or they're doing the same thing mm-hmm. and it's not it's not right you should empower each other mm-hmm. and make each other feel better because we're all in that little dark bubble of the sex industry and we're all getting bashed um mm-hmm. which some of them aren't but nine times out of ten they are getting bashed mm-hmm. yeah and so it's like well we might as well support each other mm-hmm. instead of like dividing against one another and be mm-hmm. like well but there's definitely like this weird hierarchy in the yeah. sex industry is what i've found where it's like different areas look down on different people or even like different clubs look down on other mm-hmm. clubs like i am two clubs i know of like have an ongoing beef it's like once we got you like there's all these like hashtags we'll put on facebook and stuff uh-huh. and i'm like okay guys yeah I and they'll try and bash like on me and i'm like i have friends that work there please stop right <laughs> right yeah <laughs> but yeah it's like there's like a weird hierarchy that mm. where do you feel like in the hierarchy of the sex industry where do you feel like strippers kind of place themselves hmm mm, i feel like and you know it's kind of hard i was always the neutral one mm. i was always the one that just laughed and had fun and mm-hmm. everybody was my friend mm-hmm. i didn't ever have a time where i i think there was one time where i didn't have a friend it was because she stole something from me but so <laughs> i think they have girls that you know girls that don't wear makeup and girls that come in there glamified mm-hmm. you know those they typically go against each other mm-hmm. And more so bash each other. Like, oh, she thinks she's better than me because she's pretty and she wears makeup. And Mm -hmm. then the pretty ones with makeup are like, oh, she's the one in the back doing the most. And that's (laughs) not always the case, you know. (laughs) Sometimes it's the opposite, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're a sex worker and you're listening, whether you do, whether you're um, a dancer or you do street work or you do online work or you're camming or whatever, like important for it's just well i'm gonna backtrack a little bit i think even that's that's what society tries to do for women in general Mm -hmm. is pit us against each other oh yeah you know it's Mm -hmm. like we want like there's like this weird thing in society that tells women that we're each other's competition Mm -hmm. and i think that's really personified in the club oh yeah and so i think like if like our society in general women need to learn that like we're not in competition with each other Mm -hmm. and that when we are when we're united like big stuff can can happen or is there any other areas that you really want to make sure that you get out or parts of your stories that you want to make sure people know i think that it's important for dancers to you know if you're in there or if you want to get out find something that you're passionate about Mm -hmm. and realize that it's okay to not be that number one independent woman Mm. realizing that it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to not have the most money and have a big yacht because this world now um makes a lot of competition Mm. and ladies compete to be the most independent Mm. um which is one of the things i think that keeps you wrapped up Mm. in the club is that independence and it's okay to struggle for a little bit it's okay to cry and not have money and Mm -hmm. be broke just so you can find yourself and what you want to do because you get wrapped up and you get in this depressed mode of oh i can't do this i can't stop being so negative Mm -hmm. tell yourself you're beautiful it doesn't matter if you work on the streets it doesn't matter if you work in the worst strip club the best strip club whatever kind of money you make if you're tired of it get out humbly Mm -hmm. get out safely and follow your goals you Mm -hmm. are going to have the most struggle Mm -hmm. you are going to have the most emotional roller coaster but do what is best for you Mm -hmm. and if you don't want to go back like i know i don't want to go back and Mm -hmm. i'm doing everything i can to humbly not go back Mm -hmm. and i cry 
probably six days a week. <laughs> just telling myself, like, it's, fine. <laughs> it's okay, I'm going to make it, I'm going to get out of here, and I'm going to be, you know, but even when I get out, I'm still going to struggle. Mm-hmm. I'm still going to cry and have hardships. Mm-hmm. But keep yourself. Mm-hmm. Figure out who you are. Do things you enjoy. Don't compete with other ladies or men. Be yourself and learn how to be happy with being alone because only then you can find happiness. Well, I'm going to hire you to be my next inspirational speaker because that was beautiful. I love that. No, that's really, I love that. And especially you're saying like it doesn't matter if you're in the best or the worst situation. Like if you want out and like take steps to get out. Mm-hmm. Um no, it's beautiful. And well, thank you for sharing um, just about your experience. And I know that's not super easy and it's like not great fun to think about all the hard parts, and all the hard <laughs> things that you've overcome over the past mm-hmm. few years. But um, I'm incredibly proud of you and especially for your humility. And I do think you've humbly left. And just again, like if people are listening and you do need support, like that's what we're here for. And that's whether you are in it and you love your work and you just want to kind of sometimes maybe you want to rant to someone about work like we all do at different times um with somebody who understands and we're here for that or just maybe you're maybe you've had an experience similar to our friend nina where you've had friends leave you when they find out what you do and so you just need a friend who will stick around with what you do Mm -hmm. um then reach out to us. That's what we're here for. And if you have left the sex industry and you're freaking out and you don't know what to do next, then reach out to us. Um, we're getting ready to launch a program called Club 180. Nina's going to be a part of and some other people. Um, you can find out more about that on our website, unconditionalministries.com. And if you're listening and you want to um, become a financial partner with us so that we can help more people like Nina, um, this past month we had over 10 women reach out for assistance, um, which is the most I've ever experienced. And, uh, you know, there's only there's only so many finances that we have to come alongside women. And so we need more resources to provide so that we can help more women reach their goals like our friend here. So if you feel compelled to become a monthly financial partner with us, then you can do that on our website as well. So that's all our time for today. Thanks for coming in. (laughs) Thank you. And we'll catch you next time.